In this episode, Ryan and I reflect on the 2023 NNI Think Tank, and we discuss the value and the character of a genuine client advisory process. We had fun. Hope you enjoy. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the Banking with Life podcast. I'm your host, James Nethery. And I'm your co-host, Ryan Griggs. Fresh from uh, world travels and uh, in the world headquarters of Banking with Life. And excited to be here. And thank you for being here. Thank you for being here, Mr. Griggs. How are you? My pleasure. I'm good. It's sunny out. There's no rain. <laughs> it's February in Texas. So weather is like a gamble. You just... Don't know what it's going to be that day. And <laughs> Look, it's either going to be like windy, rainy tornadoes or beautiful sunshine. Yeah, it's going to be, <laughs> it could be anything. I'm supposed to have hail last night. I'm all panicked about the car. And then, of course, it's just like a 60-minute thunderstorm. And Anyway, it's beautiful outside today. It is. You know, there's an Irish fest going on in Dallas. Not that you would know. I'm just, you know, I'm just, I found out and I'm like. Is there really? Yeah. Fair Park. I'm thinking, uh. I don't know what my wife has on our agenda, but mm. you know my the Gaelic is coming out in me. <laughs> so. Well, here we are in March twenty three, uh, a little over a week. It's been a week yet. Yes, week and a half since the twenty twenty three annual Nelson Nash Institute Think Tank. You do a bit of a recap on that. I think so. We did at the end kind of jump into the end, but we had a, I don't know when it'll be posted, but. I don't, I don't even know how far, there was a lot there. <laughs> there was a lot. Was I don't a even lot. know how long it was. I don't either. But we went to David Stern's house, where used to be Nelson Nash's house, and did an extended sort of three-way podcast discussion after the event. So that was kind of a recap in there, but that was like really raw and fresh. That was like, it was literally the the day that the conference ended. So here we are with had a little bit of time to breathe, and for frankly, for me, <laughs> <laughs> a little bit raw. You have no idea. <laughs> look, wait, wait. So look, the event, the think tank was on a Tuesday, no, a, a Wednesday and a Thursday, right? Mm -hmm. So we fly in, and the and the AV crew, you know, uh, Justin and Connor went, and we got some B roll for David. Uh, so we fly in on a Tuesday, you know, you get to meet all your peeps. Wednesday and Thursday was the event. And then Friday morning, you know, we shoot a podcast raw, like I said, is uh, an <laughs> understatement. Friday. Okay. So then we're back. And have you recovered yet? Is that, I think that's where you're going. I may be, <laughs> I may be 90%. <clears throat> Not fully yet. Yeah. You know, and I was kind of giving you a hard time. To my wife, Jana, um, it's like, you know, Ryan, he's like, because he, you mentioned in that podcast, it's like, it's going to take me a month to recover. I didn't say anything, but, you know, come home and you're recapping, you know, everything with your wife. And, and I'm like, Ryan, I mean, it's like, you're young. I think I even told you, you're young and you'll recover and it'll be okay. <clears throat> but I have been, I don't want to say been out of shape, but I've been somewhat been out of shape until like yesterday. Yeah. And so, and then, <clears throat> excuse me. So I'm I'm kind of relating to that, you know. Not that I'm physically tired or um, I, I really don't know what it's it is. It's spiritual. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's uh, anxiety prior to the event. Not really the event itself. Sometimes is the way I explain things. But um, it's it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. You spoke. I spoke. And we'll get into that too. But it's a lot of work. 
Yeah. You know. And kind of a unique time for the Institute. <clears throat> you know, I, I think it's been announced, but Bob Murphy, who was an original co-founder, co-director, left the organization to pursue other projects. Um, it's been, I think David mentions it in the conversation we have, which will be posted at some point, that it's sort of a pivotal moment for the Institute to decide how it's going to progress forward. And there's, let's say, competing visions for the role of the organization. So that was sort of the context. Of course, we're fresh off of COVID too. Like there, we had a meeting last year, but it was in a different venue. Mm -hmm. uh, the format was a bit well, different. Well, they, they were doing construction downtown Birmingham last year in the hotel that we uh, stayed in for the last time. Uh, yeah, so, <clears throat> so the venue was different last year. And then prior to that, it was virtual, right? Yeah, but which to me doesn't count. But so it's like we're coming back <laughs> into it was a full house. The too. flow of the meeting, yeah, well attended. Two hundred, I think David said, two hundred attendees, majority practitioners, some guests, um, and then there's this question of the direction and the role that the institute's going to play. And okay, so Bob left the organization. Uh, so David moves my talk to basically the first slot right after his on day one. So he was going to speak on day two. Uh, Bob was going to speak in the morning of day one. Mm -hmm. Really the first talk that was not given by a board member. So you were put into that slot. And I appreciate that. I'd hate to follow you, you know, and the life insurance panel on day two. <laughs> so, <laughs> let me tell you what. <clears throat> and um, now I don't want to, I'm going to interrupt you and I mean to, but I don't want to throw you off. Uh, the the young man, this gentleman here, gave an incredible talk, uh, incredible, one of the best presentations of a life insurance agent ever delivered like a professor that he is, and it was very good. Thank you. It was very good. Yeah, expanded time, saw, you know, 75 minutes, and I ate up every single one of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, I did, I, I kind of knew halfway through, I'm like, this is going well. <laughs> you know, <it's> like, <laughs> <I> kinda, <laughs> you kind of catch a flow, you know, and it, yeah. it, I spent a lot of time on the slides ahead of time. I, th I thought I had way too much. I didn't think I was going to get to everything. And, and you did um, have a lot, and you didn't get to everything, but you got to everything that needed. The point was given, the, the delivery, the stage presence, not only the message, right? There's a message that is, the content is stellar, but, you know, the delivery was pretty stellar, too. Thank you. Yeah, and you're, and I'm not just saying that, you know. Well, no, I appreciate it, and it is a part of the deal because that was kind of why the rest of the time for me was so exhausting because it was well received, and so for the next 48 hours or so, it was just sort of constant one after the other of the attendees coming up to talk and to share and to give feedback, and that was just a lot. I wasn't expecting that. That was. They a love lot. you. They really love you. <laughs> I mean, it was very, it was great. It's a good, you know, certainly a good problem to have. And I, of course, enjoyed each, you know, talking with everybody and appreciate all the feedback. Uh, so and it took and a then, lot out of you. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. And then even after, there were, I have had people follow up asking further questions, asking for resources. I mean, we talked about just, the idea of convertible term with David in our 
Friday follow-up podcast. And then I've had other agents inquire about, you know, what should a cover letter look like? How do you justify an application to an under, or explain an application (laughs) to an underwriter? Make it easy for him to say yes. Yeah. While being straightforward and full honesty. I mean, the idea that an agent, and I'm not saying it happens all the time, but every now and then you run into, you know, uh, an individual, an agent that, uh, that might, and I, I want to be. I'm, I'm very positive. I want to be very positive that that either doesn't present a case, no cover letter, you know, just submits it, you know, super preferred, and is angry if it's approved standard, um, and then you know you argue with the underwriter why they can't get it, um, or trying to slip something in under the radar. Nah, that doesn't really matter. So we won't mention that. It's like you know the. The life insurance companies want – they're in the life insurance business. Yeah. They want to issue policies. They want the premium income to them that is associated with a life insurance policy. And, of course, they don't want to pay the death benefit till a long time out there. That's an obligation, right? So you want legitimate underwriting. I mean, they're, they want to issue the policies. Mm-hmm. So give them all the information. The agent, the advisor, give all of the information to the underwriter that they need to say yes. What's difficult about that? Yeah, I, I just don't think they even think about it. And I, I really wonder in this horrendous marketing culture <laughs> where it's a numbers game, oh, yeah. you know, just get the percentages. I wonder how many legitimate bona fide cases die on the vine because of an improperly prepared and monitored application. Yeah, I hope. I don't know. And then how many of those people wash out who are like, well, who cares about, you know, the the industry's corrupt, the advisors are salespeople who just want to get paid and then they get turned off. Yep. I I know it happens to some degree because you hear the stories from the underwriters of the kind of business that's submitted. And so this is not, I mean, it is a little inside baseball-y about like what goes on on the advisory side, but it does affect the client. And especially for complex cases where maybe you've got relatively high premiums, maybe there's multiple legal entities involved. Maybe the reporting of income is diverse and consists of multiple pages across the accountants or what have you. Or maybe there's an unusual underwriting circumstance where the primary premium payer is perhaps not insurable. You got to transfer insurability. What does that even mean? I mean, to handle that kind of complex case, to get that done and get a favorable result so that someone can actually go and implement the concept requires this sort of posture of wanting to properly explain and justify the application and i i I mean i still encounter cases where it's like we're pushing my limit you know on okay you got to set aside dedicated time to of course comprehend the financial circumstances all all that's normal but then to transform that normal for your process normal normal for for my process process, yeah but then to, to properly convey that to an in uh, the language an underwriter yeah. can understand. I mean, they understand, but they've got their procedures they have to go yeah. by. That can that's all a whole thing. That's all. Well, a whole they process. have their perspective. We have ours, and the client has theirs. 
Yeah. Right? So yeah. I'm just saying the underwriters, uh, you know, are looking at health, suitability. It's got to be financial, financially suitable. You know, it's got to be, they've got to be healthy. They've got to be able to qualify. And, and, and on those type of cases that are complicated, multiple entities, high death benefit, high cash, but high premium, you know, requires high cash flow. They, you know, the underwriters, they want good business. And part of good business is you've got to justify the premium. Mm-hmm. I don't care. Period. Right. If with most companies, there are other companies out there, you can throw it on the wall and they approve more than they should, in my opinion. Um, but God bless them. Um, it, it is okay. And, and I believe the underwriters appreciate an educated and a qualified agent and advisor with experience, you know, maybe helping them see the full picture. Yeah. You know, because, you know, hell, everybody can look good on paper. Right. You know, so it's legitimate. And I don't think that I don't think there's proper training in the industry, in the life insurance industry. And then, oh, wait, there's very little. And I'm not disparaging the uh, the life insurance industry. I mean, they need no help. Right. Uh, <laughs> disparaging themselves. I'm not. I love them. Right. Especially if they're mutual companies. My point is that, you know, when I was coming up in the industry, you know, everybody had training. It was mainly product training, sales training, positioning. But you did learn a lot um, in addition to their product training and their sales, how to position a product. Um, is a lot more educational then than it is now, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Um, so the life insurance companies aren't really training any today beyond a product. Then you get into the marketing organizations, the independent marketing organizations, IMO, or an FMO, field marketing organization, which most of the time is owned by a life insurance company. But you don't see that until you peel off a few layers of the onion. It's like, oh, no wonder this IMO is only promoting these two products. They're owned by the one company that owns both products. Mm. You know, go figure. And I'm just, it is what it is. And I'm not good, bad, or indifferent. It's the way it is. Um, They provide a lot of sales training. Yeah. My point, the IMO, the FMO, the agency, the marketing agency. Um, and, and I'm not saying marketing is bad, right? The sales marketing is like, oh, my gosh, it's so close to and hard to distinguish from the general noise out there. Yeah. I was thinking a lot about that because I had. I mean, I made my comments about marketing throughout. You're pretty the- brutal. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> Who's shocked about that? Right. Uh, and then, of course, encounter pushback, you know, because I'm big on the educational side. I'm like, if you just teach the substance, the rest takes care of itself. Because the listener, the interested party, the general public that wants to control the banking function in their life are intelligent people. Right. And it's naturally, the, the substance of it, the truth of it is naturally attractive. And then so I get the pushback, you know, from the guys who hang their hat on the marketing deal. Who's like, well, well, that's marketing then. I mean, if you're educating and there's revenue generation on the other side of it, that's marketing. And it's like, <laughs> look, you can, I mean, yeah. I, I, first of all, no. Like the, the, the root origin of the term market was transacting it was buying and selling in a marketplace commerce between men yeah human beings marketing is really much more transacting yeah like what they're what they're actually talking about is advertising and 
I think there is a meaningful distinction between advertising and education. Yeah. And it follows that promotion attraction distinction that I first heard from you, where on the advertising promotional side, it's like you're, to me, it, it, it's like wanting to manipulate an outcome. You know, I want to go find the particular consumer. There's an outcome I have in mind. I want to orchestrate that. I'm going to have a funnel to drive that result. And it, it's very, it's like Nelson used to say, you know, playing God in the pagan sense of the word. It's like imposing your will on the universe to have some sort of predetermined outcome. Right? Whereas the, to my mind, the education style attraction oriented marketing it's not marketing the attraction <laughs> to, to have a educational presence in the marketplace let's say to me is much more faith-based it's you put the message out as truthfully as you genuinely see it and try to accentuate or emphasize the details that might get lost in the shuffle and tell the story present the narrative and make that available. And the people who want to find it will then find it. And those are the people who become. And then look, I think I, I think there's a genuine, genuine, <clears throat> the genuine result of that is that there are fewer clients. It's a, it's a slower process uh, than in the promotional advertising world where it's on the emphasis is on speed and volume. Well, I completely agree and well said, you know, and from my experience, and I'm, I'm a salesman, right? Um, I'm a father, a husband, an uncle, a brother, a son, you know, a cousin, a friend, you know. So when I say I'm a salesman, because people pigeonhole me as a salesman quite a bit, and I, I'm okay with that. And I love uh, Mike Rivas, a client who's been on several times, engineer. James, you're the world's worst salesman. Thank you. Okay, because I can sell myself anything between here and the door, I assure you. Uh, and then, of course, the salesman is the easiest person to be sold. You know, you can almost sell me anything. Uh, <clears throat> so I'm just, I'm not, I'm not uh, withdrawing from the fact that I'm a salesman at all. Okay. And then we were listening to clips the other day because, you know, we started doing shorts. Um, you know, in Instagram, TikTok, whatever. Mm. But uh, <laughs> um, uh, Dr. Ori Hampel was on, mm. and we were kind of looking at that. And it's overdue for it's past time for him to come back. And I know you're listening, Ori. Thank you for listening, and you know, make your way up here, please. Um, and he and he was talking about very real, right? He's, you know, I don't like pushy salesmen. Mm. Right. Well, of course, no one does. And he made the comment. He's like, and you're the exact opposite. I had to call you. And I'm just like, thank you. I didn't hear it the first time when we were talking, mm. but I heard it on this clip, you know, and we weren't even looking for that. But anyway, um, there's no training. I'm going to go back in the very little training besides product training and sales training in the industry. Yeah. It's so much psychology too. Like I was looking at the, uh, the CFP board certified financial planner board mm -hmm. and they have one textbook published. Oh yeah. And it's like the psychology of, I forget, I'll look up the exact title, but it's a book on psychology, like the psychology of sales. Like 
Wh- whose idea was that? That, that? that cannot sound appealing to a consumer. Like that for the educational certification board to specialize in the psychology of marketing tactics. Like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, you got to create a need, create the fear. Let me share. And, you know, you may not even be interested, but, you know, I've got a mic, so I'm talking. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like coming up. It's like, uh, you know, uh, in the final expense industry back in the day, you know, they like you were encouraged as a salesperson to back the hearse up to the door. Yikes. Yeah. You know, take them to that point in time that they graduate. Um, if they cry, they buy. And and Ooh. I'm telling you, I'm like, this is, excuse me, how I developed my repulsiveness of, you know, promotion and, and wind up. Mm. And I heard that from like Jim Rohn and excuse me, other places, attraction rather that resonates with me. Yeah. You know I mean? Uh, uh, there's some great marketers out there that can self-promote like nobody's business and they, you know, do a good job in that marketing arena. But I think the end result of that, in my experience, has been um, in the infinite banking footprint. And I know you've experienced it too. Correct me if I'm wrong. You know, uh, people contact us weekly, regularly, and have for the last umpteen years. James, I started doing this, and then I found your podcast, or then I found your website, and then I found this, and 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 I want what you are talking about, you know. And this was part of you know my talk. I mean, I talk about the noise. I feel like sometimes I wish I didn't have to talk about the noise as much as I do, but um, it's prevalent and. It, and you're surrounded in it, I'm surrounded in it, your clients are surrounded in it, our clients are surrounded in it, you know, our prospective clients are surrounded in it. And you've got to be aware of it, in my opinion, and you've got to be able to properly classify it so you can avoid it or take what is good of it. It's like, this is what not to do. This is what, you know, we should do. And, and so my point here is that there's some impressive marketing. I don't know how many times I've said, if you can listen to a one-minute TikTok or a 20-minute uh presentation or an hour and a half presentation and be fully in ready to write you know a 5 10 50 100 200 a million dollar premium i'm like that's impressive marketing i don't care who you are to me yeah right okay so but then the the calls that we receive regularly and have james you know i've done this i've been doing it i love the concept but then i found your podcast then i found your website and because Maybe what they purchased didn't really uh, wasn't what was delivered to them, you know, what they thought they were buying. And then um, quite often what goes along with that, I can't they won't call me back. They won't call me back. You know, they can't get a hold of anybody. I can't. I had a guy, nice guy. It amazes me. It's still it. it, Me, too. I talked about that two or three years yeah. ago. It's like to the to the agent advisor, that's the practitioner. It's like if look, if you won't answer your phone, I'll answer mine. Yeah, you know. So, and I don't want anyone's business or interrupt any relationships. I'm not. I'm just saying, answer your phone. In fact, it's awkward. You know, you cut, and I had one this past week. I had to, you know the guy tells me he contacted two practitioners. I don't know if he meant NNI or not. Uh, eventually had one guy do the two policies, then found the blog, then found the podcast, then found the economic stuff. And it's like, oh, it's 
you know, and I wanted one thing we've mentioned about potentially talking about today is the idea of what an advisory process or strategy looks like. Because I know for certain there are some agents watching this who are like, you guys are hypocrites because you're talking about what? Not, not doing marketing. And here you are on a podcast talking about and, and what you're effectively doing is marketing. I just I know that's a reaction. That's well, out let there. me let me comment on that, because if I do marketing, um, I think I know how to market. Right. And, and I can put capital behind marketing. And so all of you hucksters, and I know that the hucksters are only listening so they can try to get in ahead of us right, and, and market something. I'm not talking about the legitimate agents that are out there, NNI practitioners that are really doing the right thing for your clients. And I, I got nothing but love for you. And I hope you know that. I'm talking about the other people that, you know, cop all your stuff. And then, you know, you got to file a copyright infringement or they carve you out. And, and, and then they sell IUL and all of this other jank for estate planning or whatever it is or, so, or banking or whoever. And whatever it is, they do. those are the people yeah. that I'm talking about. And if I were to market, I mean, trust me, we get stalked. I know I get stalked. My clients get stalked. The website gets stalked with paid advertising. So that's like no, that's not no secret how to do that. Yeah. So if I were going to market, I promise you it'll be attacking the noise. So my, you're welcome that I don't market. But you. my point was like there are material like the answer to that. Like you guys are still marketing idea <laughs> is that there are material differences in the nature and substance of the business. I mean the the idea that there is an advisory process. I talk a lot about the advisory conversation. Like that is a thing. Like that that can possibly exist, and it it it's natural for that to exist. It might even be necessary for that to exist in the educational attraction style of of business presence. Whereas in the promotional advertising emphasis, it's it, it's all about the numbers, the metrics, the KPIs. You know, all the fancy MBA business tracking planning metrics uh which which really puts the cart before the horse to my i I had a young man who i don't know if he's like i'm kind of it was a mentoring conversation let's put it that way and uh he's in sales not in insurance technology uh, a couple years younger than me and i was like you know the emphasis on profit and revenue generation puts the cart before the horse that is the result that is the residual. That is what's left over after the real value is provided. Thank you. And if you just focus on solving the problems, which could involve explaining what the problems are, how to solve them, what all that looks like, if you just focus there, the rest of that stuff, the money stuff, the res- the, the, the world is bound by causality. Like That's the cause. There will be an effect. And in this promotional advertising world where it's all about generating the returns, it's, you're focusing on the result yeah. when you ought to be focusing on the cause. And <clears throat> the work. Yes, doing the work, doing the actual work. And when that, when that is the focus, that substance in our world is the advisory conversation. Genuine strategy. That has to be slow because I don't know you. And I mean, y'all might know me because we've done this for a long time, but I've got to learn your situation. I've got to figure out what questions you have, what your background is. What you mean, just beyond the income and I can pay a <laughs> premium of X number of dollars. 
Yeah, it, it mystifies me. I think even in one of the talks, the guy says, you know, we'll get inquiries and they'll tell us how much they want to pay and off goes the illustration. And I'm like, oh, oh my God. Oh, yeah. It, there, there's so much ground that's, you know, is from premiums, because I, I get questions more and more now, and especially where we are in the business cycle. This is becoming so relevant and I can't, well, it's not that I can't wait. I want to cheer on economic collapse. Don't get me wrong, but there's, there's a degree. I, I'm expecting a degree of vindication when the next liquidity crisis hits. Yeah, right? but look, you Austrians have been just talking about that for years. I haven't. Oh, okay. You can time it properly. <laughs> and we're, I'm just taking the critics' comment, you yeah. know, the people that say that we're out I'm not we're a, marketing. Right? I'm not a perma bear. Like, yield curves aren't always inverted. Right. There's not always, like, it's not always the case that uh, there's If you're not a this perma bear, are you a gold bug? I'm kidding. Don't no. <laughs> buzzwords. <laughs> uh, okay. There's, a, I mean, there's a correction coming. And those who... Those who went into this process without a thorough advisory conversation have premium levels that do not align with their actual cash flow situation and have policy loan activity that is not cognizant of the value of uncollateralized cash value, right? And, and therefore, they're going to they're gonna enjoy the results of that in the next liquidity You're going to know, yeah, the, that, that tree is going to bear. It's kind of fruit. That's right. And- that's going to be, and then conversely, for those who went in slowly and methodically, who have a premium level appropriate to their situation, a structure appropriate to their situation, and understand to some degree what opportunity discernment is, when to use the loan, when not to, the value of maintaining liquidity, of having uncollateralized cash value, there's going to, I'm, I'm, look, I look forward to the stories of the things that, the opportunities that come available while. There's blood in the streets, you know, while while the CNBC people are losing their minds. <clears throat> and trying to get you to be spooked out of your ever-loving mind yeah. in their reporting. That, uh, you know, I probably won't talk about it now, but did I tell you about that? Look, a gentleman, he's a client, and I'm, I got to get him to come on. I don't want to tell his whole story. He called me up. They did an unbelievable real estate deal in an unbelievable amount of time with unbelievable changes in this short amount of time. Mm. I mean, it's a beautiful story <clears throat> that he called and, you know, he started off the conversation. It's like uh, somewhere in the conversation early. He's like, James, and it, these these people are successful. They're He's an entrepreneur, you know, in the medical profession and does all kinds of good stuff good guy good good people he's like james i've uh never we've never been in a position where we have so much liquid capital available <clears throat> that's <laughs> and, powerful i'm telling you and the opportunities that they've been able to take advantage of because of their experience right and yeah. their knowledge and their access to capital. We were talking earlier before we started recording about <clears throat> the little moment of surprise that can come at the towards the end of a proper advisory conversation mm -hmm. where you've had multiple calls and the premium amount intelligently selected, the, the structure and the rationale for it is specified and articulated. And then you go to then, then at the end, then go look at the illustration to see 
what all that looks like on paper. And I've, uh, I didn't mention this part, but I'll often do like late life passive cash flow, just scenarios, right? We'll look sure. at the annual cash value growth late in life, say starting at age 70, you know, assume the person lives to 100. And basically, invariably, the individual can take double what they've paid in out in distribution late in life without triggering income tax. Hmm. Um, and that, that one benefit, you know, that at age 70, right? And then, oh, you've had the use of capital oh. from now until then. And you've been able to control the banking function yeah. to the extent in which you choose to do so. And we're off, and we are at that time looking at the one policy, right? There, the, expand the system <laughs> like this just scales. <clears throat> yeah. And it's a one policy, one generation. Yeah. And we're not indexing dividends or doing dividend multipliers you know, oh we're not there's no number inflation <clears throat> anywhere yeah it's like that's what this is on a very conservative basis you're just starting now there's probably going to be more in the future like and there's but there's that moment of surprise and i i so much of my process is built around the questions people have and um you get further and further in the process and it's like you know, so what, you know, what questions you have? Fewer and fewer questions. And, and they're, yeah, fewer and fewer. And it's, but there's kind of a surprise that comes with it. It's like, yeah, this uh, makes sense, <laughs> you know, and they're kind of looking around the corner, you know, what yeah. am I missing? Oh yeah. It's like, I did that for the first four years. I'm telling you, uh, I looked over my shoulder, like, what's wrong with this? These, these numbers real. Yeah. I mean, I'm an agent. Are they like doing something special for me because I'm an agent? Like, yeah, that would ever happen. <laughs> and it's like, that, and that's this real. Is, this is on the tail end <clears throat> of a substantial advisory process, yeah. which is on the tail end of 20 to 100 hours, however it may be, more of preliminary research. Mm -hmm. And so it's <clears throat> part of me is like, this isn't a secret, <laughs> you know, like, I'm glad yeah, but they that, haven't necessarily experienced it with other financial professionals at whatever level that that may be. Yeah. You know, uh, if, if, if the general public received and experienced everything that their financial professionals um, believe that or tell them that they can experience, it wouldn't be such a shock. Yeah. I mean, does that make sense? Because, <clears throat> you know, how many times have they been told they'll never lose money? How many times have right. they been told the market's only going to go up, the P's are going to do this, or whatever the situation is? Things that we all want, right? We want we want to be healthy. We want to be wealthy. We want to do well. We want our prodigy to do well. You know, if we're benevolent, we want to continue being benevolent. And all of these schemes that are created by, you know, Wall Street and and whomever, and then they're delivered. And then it's a it's a it's an utter disappointment to the yeah. client. I mean, it's no surprise that that Oh, wait a minute. Once you go through a process and you see everything, even though they've seen the numbers and understood it conceptually, it's like, wow. And we experience, well, can I pay more? Can I do more? You know, because they don't understand. You know, you hear, you get out there in the noise, um, which I'm telling you, and I said, you know, just earlier, people, you know, they go do whatever it is they do and then they find, you know, the podcast. Or your medium blog, or you know, videos, the website, whatever, and it's like, oh my gosh, that's what I want. Part of that noise, and I said this, and I say it all the time at the think tank. You know, the the uh, 
the marketers out there, they try to pigeonhole. I'm talking about people that have a life insurance license that can spell IBC or maybe they're investment gurus um, and they hate life insurance in general. But they're all looking at the Nelson Nash Institute and they're saying, you know, oh, we've all drank the Kool-Aid and we only do things one way and we're all alike. Like, you know, all policies are built 50-50 or 60-40, whatever. I mean, they that noise is out there. Right. And the prospective client gets exposed to that. And then when they find out that that's just one more uh, in era knowledge is being promoted completely wrong. You know, I mean, if if I was a consumer and I am a consumer, that stuff wears me out. Yeah, I can't stand it. But yeah. it's no it's no surprise that they're surprised. It makes me wonder, though, like, what do I need to do better to to That's make just the indicative case that you want to do the right thing and 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 continue to want to practice continual improvement. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's where that question comes from. I mean, there's so much noise out there doing this, saying that, saying this, cross confusing this, and on purpose, some of it. Um, yeah. I don't know what you could do better other than, you know, more of what you're already doing. Yeah. I could finish I this dang book. That could be okay. step number one. Hell, I can get started on mine. That, that, would, that could okay. be an idea. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, look, let's look. The, um, the process, you know. What does yours look like? My process? Yeah. So I'm online. I, I've watched the podcast. <laughs> I. What do I do? How you, do? And what's that look like? Does this fall into marketing? No. You you call my office, 817-790-0405. We answer the phone in ordinary business hours, Central Standard Time, you know, 8 to Nine to five, Monday through Thursday, nine to two on Fridays, because we all have families like you. Um, you can go to bankingwithlife.com. There's a little green button right there on the first page, the home page. And it says either get started or become a client. You click on that. There's a fast track. Ask a bunch of questions. If you don't want to fill that out, you know, online, although it is secure, you can call the office and we'll help you fill that out. It's just general questions that we need to know. If we're going to make uh, recommendations, we've got to know something. So it's that's where it starts. It's either a phone conversation and I'll talk to anybody for 20 minutes. You know, there's other people here in my office that are very able and capable. And then, so there's that conversation, you know, are we even a good fit? Mm-hmm. You know, are you realistically, you know, we, I don't write universal life insurance. I do not do all of these sketchy things that are out there and promoted. We practice the infinite banking concept properly. I'm an investment advisor representative, and I'm not giving investment advice to anyone who is not my client, including you. This does not constitute investment advice. Okay, so there's a phone call. You share with us the information that we need to get started. That's the beginning of our process. And then we have further conversations on really what you understand, what you're trying to do, where's the capital come from, you know, where you're at right now, where are you at right now, how are your assets positioned? And then, you know, uh, realistically, how can the infinite banking concept i.e. properly structured policies, be integrated into what you're doing. Where should you start? How should you expand? What should you expect? Um, 
and then and then we do the work to build that and then we convey that you know it's like the illustration review is not up front you know it's like you, i'm not going to email an illustration just because you want to pay a hundred thousand dollar premium that's not me allegedly that's, yeah well yeah alleged <laughs> yeah. yeah um and so the process continues, you know, we hold your hand all the way through delivery, the underwriting process, delivery, the integration, and then we follow up regularly. You know, once you've engaged with us, then, you know, I, I mean, we're here, like my office is here, our team is here. And so then we become, um, we have a relationship and whether you buy more life insurance or not, whether you do different things in the financial world, then you have access to us and our abilities and my experience. You know, I consult with my, that's all I do is talk on the phone every day Mm -hmm. to prospective clients or to clients. It could be a complex real estate deal. It could be whatever they want to invite me in Mm -hmm. to the conversation on. Um, I come with, I'm part of the team. You know what I mean? So this idea of advisory, proper advisory beyond just starting and paying a premium and and applying it, getting out of debt or whatever it is we're going to do. I mean, we have a track that, that, you know, this is a path that we're going down. We're going to get out of debt here first, 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 this, 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 then that. Or we're just building, accumulating capital to do this in the future, whatever it may be. None of them look alike. Mm -hmm. None of them look alike. Not a single case looks alike, nor should they. Right. But- my point being is in I'm accessible, you know, from if you want to, uh, like I said, a complex real estate deal, a business transaction, a banking, whatever it is, if you want my opinion and input, you know, I'll give it to you because you're our client. Um, so in a nutshell, that's it. Well, mine is similar. Um, and I'm, you know, we should talk about this more often because I find myself going through it every time with uh, new people, which is fine. We got to get the point across, but um, yeah, I, you know, to get a hold of me, it's the, there's a get in touch form at griggscapitalstrategies.com. That's first, right? Preliminary information. Then we schedule a initial 20 minute phone call. Very low key introductory. Yep. We always start with whatever questions. Everyone's almost everybody typically has some form of burning question sure uh, topic they want to know more about so we cover that first and they can ask whatever they want about me or IBC or Nelson or what have you um, and like you say we make sure we're on the same page right you got to read becoming your own banker if that's not been read then we're not a good fit you know um, I've talked I've had conversations with people at that 20 minute introductory uh, conversation where they haven't read it yet and great that's the next step you need to go read the book uh, if you want to do the infinite banking concept you should know what it is and the way to know what it is is to read uh, the book from the guy who created it so book needs to be read the whole life insurance mechanic series that i did uh, is not necessarily required but it is very helpful at least a lot of people have told me so and so i'll mention that if they've not been aware of it um, and that'll that'll help advance their thinking too. I tell people that my process, my whole process is based around what Nelson said. If you know what's going on, you'll know what to do. And I view my role as an advisor in the world of the infinite banking concept as helping to develop a higher and higher resolution, a higher definition understanding of 
how things work in the industry, within a company, and within a policy, and why. And then as that resolution increases in clarity, we combine your own particular financial circumstances and integrate the two together. So that at the end of my process, the direction is very clear. Because if you know what's going on, you'll know what to do. So after the introductory call, if we're on the same page, I have the client fill out a new client form, basically an extensive financial questionnaire. It's also on the website. And then we get into what I refer to as the advisory phase. This is a series of two, sometimes three, sometimes more, sometimes fewer, 50-minute-ish phone calls uh, where we're developing that higher resolution understanding of the particulars. We often start with company selection. who should we work with and why? Why And why start with company selection? Well, as, as it turns out, these products, these policies, these contracts differ in their terms and conditions from company to company. And how those companies treat their policies differs. And because I'm independent and we get to approach the industry from a position of independence, we can choose which company is best for the purposes of IBC. Not just so, because you write for a particular company? Right. So we start with Nelson's rules, right? 100-year dividend payment history, mutuality, and then we add more, non-direct recognition, long-dated level term, highly flexible PUA riders, and narrow the field down, you know, and I'm pretty familiar with the companies that have a presence in IBC, and so we can talk particulars. That informs the particular company selection. And once the company is known, then we can drill down into the particular terms and conditions of contracts available at that company which has to be done before talking about premium levels and structure. Because if the timing of PUA premium payments are restricted or if minimums are, uh, depending on what the minimum level of PUA is, in other words, depending upon the degree of flexibility and control over you have, that you have over your premiums will in turn affect the amount. If I have a more flexible PUA rider, let's say, I have more control over the timing of payments, Maybe I can afford to push more on how aggressive I want to be in developing my contractual authority to pay premium. Uh, If I have, if it's a less flexible contract, well, then the number is going to be smaller because less flexibility means you got to be more risk cognizant. Fair enough. And if an individual comes into the process with prior contracts from other agents, we do a a policy review. Right. Nothing needs to be blowing up on your face in your face from somebody else, right? I, I don't want that to happen. Even if you didn't get it from me, I want you to know what you own, why you, yeah, and, and how to manage it. Yeah. Uh, because that, that too is a part of the determination of the next phase of the expansion. Yeah. Right? You have to take that into consideration as well. So we, we integrate then your particular financial circumstances and start to talk through examples that are in the neighborhood of reality for you. We talk through structure. Why would you have a policy structure with relatively more to the base, like a 40-60 or a 50-50? Why would you have one with less, 35-65, 30-70? Why wouldn't you go lower than that? What are the trade-offs with respect to PUA premium payment duration and consequent lifetime cash value growth? All right, it's all why. The I, I tell people, I don't give instructions, right? It's just exploration. And you're going to tell me. You know, I've had people... Say, well, you know, I, I will leave it up to you. You know, you'll tell me the premium. Mm, no, no. I mean, I appreciate the deference that's 
kind. I appreciate that. But no, it's going to come from you. It has to come from you, right? right. It, it's your money. I, I mean, I can spend and do spend a lot of time to learn as much about you as I can. But at the end of the day, you don't, the, the person who knows your financial circumstances as best as anybody is you. And so this, the number and the structure and the amount of policies and the company selection and all of those have to come from you, in my view. My role is to make sure that you're in a well-informed position so that you can make those decisions competently. And then, like, as I say, the result is natural and organic. You know why the company, you know why the particular product, you know why the particular premium, you know why the particular structures, you know why the number of policies. You have a general idea of what expansion will look like over time. What would trigger the reason, what would the reason be that triggers a, a system expansion in the future? We talk generally about what kind of cash value growth is going to come given certain premium levels. And then we go build it. We build, I know, I know you do this too. We build policies in-house. We don't leave it up to the companies. God bless them. A little more particular than some of the frontline staff are. And once those are done, then we do an illustration review. And you get your nice tabular detail view of dividends, cash values, and death benefits all out into the future. And that lays nice groundwork to do some late life passive cash flow scenario analysis, mm -hmm. right? Which conventional planners only wish they could do. Deliver. Right? <laughs> uh, and yeah. <clears throat> In addition to all the benefits of being. So, and then there's an application call also done over the phone, a four to six week underwriting process. We keep you up to date during that process. And then there's delivery. And all of this is electronic or remote. Um, and then you talk about, and this is another part that is just missing. No one talks about it in the industry. An ongoing advisory relationship, a client advisor relationship. And I just, I just think that a lot of people don't have, they don't know that it's possible to have a standing relationship with a professional advisor that you can go to to discuss financial and economic questions when they arise. I think that is... I mean, it was certainly before I got into this business, a new idea to me that that could be a thing, <laughs> that that might even be something that people ought to do. It might be something that people want yeah, and value and appreciate. And consider the benefits. Like when it comes time to expand, to get the next policy, if that's appropriate, it's natural. And then there, then it's more along the lines of telling you and they're justifying, well, this is what I'm thinking. Yes. This is why I'm thinking this away. And, you know, do you agree, disagree? What's your input, feedback? And, and it's like nine times out of 10, they're like, bring a tear to your eye. It's like, oh my gosh, you're thinking so right. Yeah. Yeah. And let me, let me add in there because I love that. Very articulate. And, uh, but there's also room in your pro I know there isn't mine, so I know there isn't yours, a room for adjustment, mm. right? <clears throat> so, I mean, we go through a very methodical, it's laid out, but then sometimes whatever, you know, circumstances are, it's not from ignorance, right? It's actually from education um, <clears throat> and understanding and not, okay, that there's room for adjustment, right? And so I just want to make that clear. It's like we go down the path and of, of proper groundwork doing the work and then before it's all go you know there's an opportunity for adjustment well i can give you an example on that i mean some yeah. 
The process of thinking like a banker. Look, there's thinking like a conventional financial person, which is basically an accounting framework. What stuff has happened? What was income last year? Maybe what was your margin, right? What was income less expenses last year? What are the assets? What are the liabilities? It's backward looking, yep. maybe up to the current time. Okay, that's sort of conventional financial thing. Thinking like a banker, really thinking entrepreneurially, but thinking like a banker is to be forward looking. What is upcoming cash flow look like in terms of its magnitude, its timing, its predictability? How confident are you? Right, it can range from the ve- the, the the hyper certain. Right, maybe you've got an annuity that's going to pay out at a certain date. There's a some company is holding a contractual obligation to pay you a certain amount at a certain I time. I just got a raise. Yeah, very predictable upcoming future cash flow versus somebody who has a total totally variable, uh, cyclical, unpredictable experience, right? Your small business owners, the commission paid salesmen, the professionals or skilled tradesmen, where they've got an idea of how things will go to some degree of clarity and resolution, mm-hmm. right? And to start thinking in those terms and then to impute from that understanding what the, what the structure should look like now and then in turn, how that system will develop, that is the process of learning to think like a banker. And so when a client comes back and says, you know, if we're going through the advisory process and it's like, oh, I know I'm such and such family member has an uh, whatever insurance policy or I'm expecting some inheritance, you know, it's going to be about this amount. It's like, okay, you the, the little subtle move there was, we're now thinking in terms of uh, expected future cash flows, right? And we're starting to think in terms of the nature of our income. How predictable is it? What's it, you know, how likely is it to grow? And there's this natural progression that develops into or results in a proper <clears throat> policy structure. And that does require adjustment because those things are not obvious, right? When, when someone first gets in touch, it's like, the, the fact of the matter is maybe this podcast will change everything. And that, but <laughs> it's changing a lot and everything's kind of heavy. But they learned that to, that the system for, to, to truly optimize, right? The perfectly built policy, which no one can do, but the perfectly built policy will accept exactly the amount of premium that you end up wanting to pay oh, given yeah. the flexibility of the contract. And if we could perfectly forecast and predict your future income and your future expenses and your future willingness and ability to pay premium, you could build a policy that's exactly suited to accommodate just that last marginal dollar. And you'd maximize cash value as best as possible over the course of your lifetime. Future's uncertain. We're not not God. We're not going to get there. So we're going to underbuild or we're going to overbuild. But that's our little... Look, the future, the future is unknown, but you can build a policy that won't maybe match exactly the future windfalls and incomes... But uh, the over underbuilding or whatever, you can build a policy that fits them perfectly, that accommodates for a variable, a future unknown cash flow based on your experience, their experience, or current. You know, taking on all of that takes on, or it requires a relationship, an yes, advisory absolutely process. Absolutely requires. You know, it's not like. Oh, well, you know, you're going to make more income in the future, so we'll just make a, you know, a convertible term. Well, that's pretty blanket and pretty broad. Uh, okay, that's about like throwing a dart on the wall and not even knowing that there's a dartboard up there. 
So, <laughs> there, like, I mean, that going through, I completely agree. Uh, very well said. And it reminds me of a case recently. The, the future, there's an inheritance. You know, grandma's 90 and not in good health or whatever. Um, we laid the groundwork properly, you know, like two years ago, whatever. Guess what? Grandma graduated. Mm. Right. And the individual's insurability changed from then till now. Mm. Mm. Talk about the future being unknown. When grandma's going to graduate, that was only a small unknown, but expected. Right. Yeah, well, it takes some experience, maybe, and that more in-depth advisory client relationship. Foresight. Yeah, yeah, and it's like it's worth it to me. And if you're if an agent or an advisor is not doing that, they need to learn how to do that. Yes, like maybe put the best interest of the prospective client. Oh, what a concept! You know, and yeah. work from that basis in full, completely. You know, to the best of your ability. To I mean. At the end of that, and you said it earlier, it's like the work is the work. And I said it in, at the last think tank, to, and I'm talking to agents, right, and advisors. So at the think tank, there's 200 agents and advisors there. And I'm fully convinced. I mean, I'm, that's why I said it. If the agent and advisor will do, deliver, convey Nelson's message, that's what, that's what we want. Right. That's what the consumer wants. That's what the general public wants. And if you can convey that, right, with confidence and accuracy and competency, um, everything else that you want professionally follows. And it's really that I don't need a marketing program. Yes, I think everybody should know who I am, what I do, and why it matters. And I, I, I believe that. Right. Um, but do I got to drag you through a bunch of, you know, click funnels and you know and trip wires and big sales uh you know here's a book an ebook that's free just pay shipping and handling or whatever and i'm a capitalist i'm not even disparaging capitalism but it's like oh my gosh just convey the message all of that will hunt you down it will show up it you will receive everything you think you want professionally in my opinion if you can deliver the infinite banking concept nelson's message of becoming your own banker without perversion without add-ons without interpretation without bastardization without me too's you know and maybe if you are paying the sort of premium that you're asking your clients to pay And maybe if you're actually financing automobiles, real estate, dental, medical, or whatever it is you're going to finance anyway, and then show them how. You don't have to educate them. All you got to do is expand and help them think, see what they're not seeing or see what's not presented. Talk about the unseen. Here's a scene. What is potentially out there? I mean, people want to learn. Yeah. They don't want to be sold, in my opinion. So. Yeah. And one of the things that I had mentioned in my talk this past week at the Think Tank was uh, how to help someone determine what the right premium is. Hmm. You know, <laughs> it was, I was looking in the audience, I was, big wide eyes. I like, hey, I don't know if they told you, but I think Connor pointed it out to me because, you know, we oh, yeah. took a lot of video and uh, photos and um he had a picture from the back of the, and there's a beautiful auditorium, stadium seating, you know, 
what do you call that where it's like amphitheater yeah it's like an amphitheater you know one stage it's good lighting nice, yeah yeah good sound um connor took a photo of you while you're on stage before you started talking right and so you can see what everybody's got in front of them you know they're either gaming on their iphone or whatever it is they're doing but whenever you took was introduced took the stage and introduced the amount of uh ipads that came out and notepads did he show you that yeah he did that was very That's impressive cool. yeah. that was cool <laughs> yeah people were definitely paying attention yeah they were um but just that that one subject of how to help somebody understand how to choose the appropriate premium level and structure for themselves you know i and i don't know maybe people just don't know or this is just how i think of it but to expect somebody to know the right amount of premium without going through an advisory conversation or to impose upon them to instruct them to find the money right i remember seeing a lot of these initial videos from advisors when i first got in you know that part of the advisor's process agent's process was to help the client find the money right they're going to do a, a tax document analysis and they're going to identify the cash flow and then they're going to tell the client look you pay this and it goes over here and i'm like first of all just the the, the nature of that does not appeal to me like i'm not going to review I mean, I'll review tax documents all day to learn your situation, but to go and like sort through to pinpoint a number and then put it in an Excel spreadsheet. And it's like, oh, it, it, it also, it doesn't account for the fact that the, the quality of the understanding of the infinite banking concept can in turn change your cash flows, right? There's a, there's mm -hmm. revert. There's a rev there's like reverse causality, right? Where your understanding of what could be done could affect what you do. What? Right? So just looking at what's been done is not necessarily in indicative of what you should be doing, right? It, it's in economics. This is the, the economists really struggle with this, right? Because it's all about data <laughs> and the statistics and the econometrics and all of its All of it is just like mental masturbation in economic history, right? We're just looking at what's you know somebody's going to clip that out here. Sure, <laughs> we're just looking at what's happened in the past. You know, prices that have obtained in the past, and we're yeah. going to put it into a model, and that's going to yeah. predict what's yeah. going to happen in the future. It's like that's history, yeah. right? You're it's you're just playing determinism, right, with special model like. Think and people change picking time periods while you're at it. Yeah, like pe people change the 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 quality of understanding of what could be done. That new learning, that transformation, will in turn affect what's done in the future. And yeah. so you can't just go and expect like there is no optimal correct amount of premium hidden in the data. That it can only the the proper premium and structure can only come from this integration of what's going on, what's been going on recently in your financial circumstances, plus a new developing, evolving, higher and higher resolution understanding of what it is to do infinite banking. Right. Only in that intersection, it's like the idea of two opposing forces that enhances accuracy, right? If you're trying to like screw in a little tiny bolt, you know, you push, you push on one side and it enhances the accuracy. That's what should happen in the advisory process. Right? And all of this is to say, by the whole reason I wanted to get into this process stuff, is to say that the substance and material of an attraction-style, education-oriented presence is fundamentally different 
than the advertising promotional side. And if you don't believe me, go through one of these click funnels. Go swim in that for a little bit and see how much of what we just talked about is in the promotional advertising world. And ask a few questions. It, uh, just like you said, every week. Uh, Ryan, I started asking questions about direct recognition oh and non-direct. And I, I started to ask you know, about the PUA flexibility and I just wasn't impressed. You know, those, that... I'm not trying to put anybody down. That's out there. Then there's also other people, Doug Jones, Barry Dyke, who are bona fide professionals and know what they're doing. And so I'm not saying that everybody out there is just is not you know doing it properly. Uh, there are absolutely other professionals out there who are I think are great. Yeah. Um, but they're not. They're also not the ones with the big old marketing presence. Right. Yeah. And so. YouTube and Facebook and for me and for you, they hunt us down with the marketing stuff. And that's what, and by the way, I was gonna say this too. <laughs> we see the numbers uh, in the industry. Like we know who the top producers are and we see the kind of business, you know, we don't have like, can't look at like pause. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about overall production. It's out there, right? The, there's a, a heavy promotional advertising oriented marketing presence out there. And it results in a lot of premium, a lot of policies, who knows how long they're last, who knows what the quality is. Maybe it's great, but you know, we're aware of it. <laughs> and so all I'm saying is that, what are you saying, Gigi? There's a difference, <laughs> there, yeah. you know, there's a material difference. <clears throat> And like I said at the very beginning, though the uh, the attraction it, it's slower and it and there it's f it's fewer, it's smaller. It, it's it's almost like quantity versus quality. Yeah, you know, a couple of years ago, you know, and Gina Wells was out there. I love Gina Wells, uh, <clears throat> practitioner, uh, been in in and out for a long time, and known Nelson for a long time. I mean, I quoted her. I think it was last year. Um, it was at that different venue. Um, but I, she got it from her mentor and I don't know, I don't recall her mentor's name. So it's, I'm attributing to Gina Wells's mentor whose name I don't know. And in a, in a conversation that we had, um, or a presentation that she did sometime in the past, she said, if you have to drag them in, you have to drag them around. And it's so true, and it resonated with me, and that's why I was quoting her. So if I've got a market to you to beat you over the head, I don't care if I couch that in an educational you know, funnel or whatever. I'm being benevolent. I'm just going to educate you, um, which is easy to fall into this idea that, you know, an educated, I say it all the time, educated consumer and educated advisor, they come together and they work through this legitimate process and, um, you know, there's a legitimate solution and the proper solution. Um, I'm just saying, if I have to overly market to you and drag you in almost against your will, I assure you that relationship will either grow through education and understanding as our thinking changes, because we sure don't know what we don't know in the beginning, and we can't see what we can't see. And the more you see, the more you see 
that you didn't see. And I'm speaking plain English straightforward, right? So your perspective of the infinite banking concept in the beginning um, is going to change as, as soon as you put your hand to the plow and you pay premium. All right. It changes. And it could be kind of negative in the in the beginning if you're caught up in the noise. It's like, well, what do I do next? What do I do next? I got all this cash value. What do I do next? What? Do I, nothing. Take a deep breath. Yeah. Pay the premium. Focus on that. You know, focus on understanding the the numbers if you want to on the on the on the life insurance website because you know a life insurance does accounting on life insurance and you've not experienced that until you've owned a life insurance policy and watched those numbers. Right. And it's like okay. I'm <laughs> It, it can give you a headache sometimes, yeah. but the numbers keep going up. So, okay. Then it's like, oh, my understanding. Now I'm interested and I'm learning more and I'm, de- and, you know, and it's like, now it's making more sense. Um, or that relationship dies on the vine because they're wearing you out. What about this? What about that? I didn't read Nelson's book. I don't know this. I didn't watch mechanic series. I didn't watch any of the over 100 hours yet. I didn't watch any of the, you know, 45, you know, client interviews, the unpaid people sharing their experience with me. I didn't do any of that, James. I just want to call you and what about this? And what about this? And what about this? It's not a pleasant you know, uh, so if you got to drag them in, you're going to have to drag them around. Now, there's an opportunity for all of us to expand and under or expand in our understanding, and that can happen. But if you continually, who wants to drag around dead weight? Right. Nobody. So it's not uh, productive on either side. So I get the click funnel, the highly uh, skilled marketing. You know, the proper. Uh, content verbiage and and i get all that and and i get and understand that it could be very uh productive as far as the number of policies that are written but there's a high very high probability that they were drug into that maybe not completely aware of how much dragging was going on Mm. and i assure you that if that's the case then the whoever the advisor the sherpa the the individual that actually you know talk to you that one or two times you get to pay a premium do you think they're going to be looking forward to picking up the phone or answering your email it's like no so the opposite of that right so okay here's the material here's content education written audio video more than then um, a lot of it and taking your time to go through that and hashing it out for yourself is like so much more pleasant. It is so much more pleasant and it's more profitable for you, the consumer. Amen. Well, there was so much that I didn't want to, I didn't get to, you know, that we, we've got two more, two or three more conversations, you know, about, maybe wrapping up on the 2023 Nelson Nash Institute think tank um, and some of this other content or conversation. Looks to me content. Talk about marketing. They're calling. They were calling. uh, So look, I mean, we took the video, right? Connor and Justin out there and no Connor got him a nickname content Connor. (laughs) Oh my. Cause he was doing some interviews from Ah, participants. Yeah. It was funny. That marketing funnel. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Thanks for listening. Thanks, y'all.
Thank you for joining us on the Banking with Life podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe and click on that little notification bell. Otherwise, join us on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher for weekly content.